This is episode number 174 of the High Impact Leaders Podcast, your shortcut to personal growth and career success. Hey, welcome to High Impact Leaders. I'm your host, Doug Stannard. My goal is to help you develop your leadership skills and build strong teams as your business grows and grows. On today's episode, I'm going to explore the concept of experience being the best teacher. By the way, that is that statement is absolutely true in that people learn by doing. In fact, we've we've built our entire coaching practice on that concept. But when a good coach helps somebody develop a new skill and that person has a success, you know, his confidence is going to grow, you know. So that's that's what the real truth of that statement is. But the concept of experience being the best teacher is also absolutely false. And if you don't understand why, you may be inadvertently lengthening the your learning curve when you try something new. So today I'm going to cover a few things that once you understand them will increase your success level pretty dramatically. Um, they're, they're, by the way, these are the concepts that helped me go from being a, a broke, really in-depth college kid to a multimillionaire in just a few years. By the way, the episode is brought to you by leadersinstitute.com. For leadership or team building ideas, please visit our website at www.leadersinstitute.com. And if you like the content of the podcast, make sure to leave me a review on your podcast app and make sure to subscribe to the podcast so your phone automatically downloads every single episode. Also, make sure to check out our YouTube channel at Leaders Institute or just search for Leaders Institute, the Leaders Institute on YouTube. Uh, again, our channel is at Leaders Institute on YouTube. All right, so let's get on with today's lesson. So the topic today is experience is the best teacher. And my question is, really? Because maybe it's not. <laughs> because when a teacher or a coach gives us instructions, their words are basically just theoretical. They're, it's knowledge. It's not something that we've been able to put into practice yet because it's just them telling us. However, when we put those words into practice and experience a success, the words become much more practical. So this statement is absolutely true that when you consider how the repetition of new experience builds self-confidence or confidence in a skill anyway, however, the statement is also absolutely false, at least in the way that most people understand it, because when people see the word experience, they automatically think of their own experience. And a truer statement would be something like somebody else's personal experience is the best teacher <laughs> because a good coach is a way that you can shorten the learning curve exponentially. So here's a simple example. Let's say that you want to take up golf. And since experience is the best teacher, all you would really have to do is get a lot of experience playing golf, right? Well, that's not exactly true because most likely you're going to get really, really good at a bad golf swing if you do it that way. When no training, no expertise, just experience. That's all you really need, right? During that process, you'll likely create habits out of the new things that you're practicing, right? And and if they're done incorrectly, that becomes ingrained. And a lot of time, these habits will become tougher to overcome as you practice more and more. Alternatively, if you work with a golf pro 
who's had decades of experience, that golf pro can shorten your learning curve dramatically just by showing you a few tips that he or she has learned during the process. So a good student will always surpass the teacher if you use this concept. So my goal as a coach is always to help shorten the learning curve of the people that I'm coaching um, with based on my firsthand knowledge. So as a result, they they don't have to go through the years of experience and all of the turmoil I did to learn those skills. Instead, they can learn to make better decisions from my experience and not have to make the same mistakes that I made. So if you want to be a, a, a leader in your organization, your goal should be to help your team surpass you. That's the whole point. So I'll give you a really good example. This a couple of years after I started the company, my company, the Leaders Institute, I hired a young guy who had just graduated from college. And I spent a couple of years grooming him to be a presentation skills coach. And but and he was a fantastic student, by the way, with with years of you know professional education. But before long, he became one of our most popular coaches. Big companies all over the world were asking for him by name. And it wasn't, I mean, he wasn't even 30 years old at the time. So he had accomplished more as a coach in less than four years than I had in, at that point, at least a decade, maybe almost a decade and a half at that point. So think about the process like climbing a mountain. For, For the first person, the trip is really, really difficult. However, if that person creates handholds and footholds in the rock, the path of the second person is even easier. And as more people make the trek, rope ladders are kind of created and later maybe even a chairlift is installed, right? So as each new generation improves the path, the, the trek is much easier for the next generation. So to be a good leader, you you have to go outside your comfort zone to create the, that path during your trip and then make the, the road easier for future generations to kind of surpass it. So basically, if you understand that concept, basically somebody else's experience is, is really the best teacher, you can actually use your experience to create those handholds and footholds and eventually the, the chairlift. Um, so I, let me give you a really, really, really quick technique that you can use to to make it much easier for the next generation. And, and I'll give you an example of what my dad did for me when I was a kid. So I, I, when I was, I was probably six years old, I think. And my dad caught me stealing a dollar from his bedside table. Um, you know, we had, we had this little store down close to, close to our house and my little brother and I would kind of get coins out of the, the sofa and, and sometimes be able to go down and get candy or sodas or something like that. Um, and, uh, what, so one afternoon I decided to, you know, to go and take something from my, from my dad. Of course, when my dad caught me doing this, I'm thinking, oh man, this is going to get bad. I'm going to get a whooping or something. But my dad did something really interesting. And and it's the technique that he used throughout my adolescence to kind of teach me and train me to keep me from making the same mistakes he made. Um, he just so you know, I mean, at the time, I mean, when he caught me, I was mortified because I knew that I had disappointed him. It wasn't really that I, I mean, I knew I'd done wrong, but it was more the way that my dad felt about me at that, at that moment that, that really kind of killed it for me and and made it to where I mean, I never want to do anything like that. I never want to disappoint my dad like that again, but instead of spanking me or, or getting angry with me, he used it as a powerful, a, a, he used 
that moment as a way to kind of teach me. So, um, and by the way, my dad didn't invent this technique. Um, it's the same technique that Aesop used, you know, 2000 years ago. It's the same technique that Jesus used and with, with his parables. It's basically uh, by using a story as a way to kind of get me to not make the same mistake he did. So basically he told me about a time when he was in a soldier in the army. He was probably 17 years old, I'm guessing anyway. And he and his buddy had a weekend pass to go into town. And back then the base would allow um, the, uh, the GIs to use the base Jeeps to go into town as long as they returned the vehicles with a, with a full tank of gas. So it was a win-win for everybody, right? My dad's buddy, however, worked at the motor pool on base. And so they realized that if they just filled up the gas tank at the base gas pumps, when they got back, nobody would ever know. And they, and, and they wouldn't have to pay for the, the gasoline out of their, their own pocket. And the plan worked like a charm until the military policemen happened to be driving by as they were filling it up. And my dad told me that the MP kind of took he and his buddy into custody and, uh, you know, put them in handcuffs and everything. And and luckily he had an understanding commanding officer that let him off with a reprimand. But he, he told me that if he had actually been charged, he could have spent several years in a federal prison for that theft. Then once he finished the story, he just said, hey, don't make the same mistake I did. You've got your whole life ahead of you and you can accomplish anything that you ever dreamed of, right? So he was using that story of his mistake to help kind of train me to keep me from making the same mistake. So that's exactly what you want to do in your professional life as well. So basically, it's a really simple process. Step one is just to use this fantastic technique to is to get really good at relaying your real life experience to others. Um, this is what creates, you know, shortcuts for those future generations. For instance, if you worked on a project for three years, you likely experienced some challenges along the way. You earned true wisdom by overcoming those challenges, though. So later on, somebody who who works for you on a future project doesn't have to make the same mistakes that you made when they do their next project. So all you would really need to do is just tell the new person about the challenges that you met and the wrong things that you did, and then point them in the right direction. Being a good, great teacher is a real, is, it's really simple, but often it's an overlooked part of being a good leader. So for instance, one of the policies that we have in place for our consultants is that when we do um, an agreement, a contract with, with a potential customer or with a customer, we always have them in the agreement. It's spelled out in the agreement when and where we are going to do our workshops and training programs. There's an address, there's a date, there's a time, there's where we're going to ship all the information to. And the reason why that is in there is because somewhere along the way, one of us ended up making a mistake that cost quite a bit that one of us was actually me. So uh, basically what happened was the IRS, uh, the Internal Revenue Service in Utah hired me to do a leadership program. And one of our account managers wrote up a, a letter agreement, you know, just like we had always used and, and with their office address in Ogden, Utah. And on the morning of the event, I drove to the security gate at their office. And after 20 minutes, the security officer kind of told me that he couldn't find my name on the guest list. I'd been there for quite a while and he couldn't find me on the guest list. So I called the client who was confused and he had 
personally talked to the security guard minutes ago and he apologized and offered to, to come get me. And a few minutes later, he kind of called back asking where I was. And I told him I was still at the security gate. And he told me that the building didn't have a security gate. That that was when it hit me that I was at the wrong building in the wrong city. <laughs> so although the IRS office who contracted with me was in Ogden, the class that they to make it easier on me, they organized the class in Salt Lake City, which was about 30 minutes away. And so I scrambled, you know, I'd been in my rental car to get down to Salt Lake and get to the class as soon as possible. And it it, it actually turned out to be a, a really good program. It was just embarrassing. It was an embarrassing start. You know, I ended up starting the class later than what I should have. So uh, basically, if you like, as a result of that little incident or that story, um, I didn't. I didn't like being embarrassed like that. I didn't like that the my company's reputation was was being harmed by that. And so we created a procedural change in what we did when we created agreements. And so, if I'm bringing a new consultant on and um, and they are flubbing that, or they're basically not collecting uh, the correct information before they they put that in before they put their contract report in then I can go and tell them that story keep them from making the same mistake so basically it keeps us from making the same mistakes over and over and over and over again by using that as an example so once you have the example once you have the story you just finish the story with a moral or an action item so that incident or or the experience that you share makes 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 your wise words easy to listen to, by the way. this It's especially true if you're sharing a mistake that you made. Nobody wants their boss to tell them that they screwed up. However, if the boss shares an experience where he or she screwed up, eh, the story is easier to listen to. It's in, It's got some humor in it. It's self-deprecating, so it's a little bit more fun. And if you stop there, then your team members are just going to think that you're an idiot. <laughs> so, which, I mean, I know they always already do, but that's not the point. The secret to this technique is to finish the story with the moral. So basically, it's kind of like what Aesop did uh, at the end of the story. He always put the moral of the story is, and you should do the same thing. So it doesn't really matter how you phrase it. You could say something like, hey, the, my point is, or the reason I'm telling you this is, or the action I want you to take is, or the moral of the story is, whatever words you use, though, the best way to make it stick is to ha- make it have a single moral, one major thing. So back to my IRS examples, a good moral might be, uh, so when you create a letter agreement, make sure to list both the mailing address and the event address. And then once you kind of give them the moral of the story, wrap up your experience is the best teacher lesson with a benefit, right? So tell your listener how she he or she is going to benefit from doing what you're asking them to do. Uh, we always like to think that we're, you know, altruistic and everybody, you know, does things because it's the right thing to do and, ever, and that kind of thing. But for the most part, most of us are pretty self-centered. So after you relay the experience and add the moral of the story, add the benefit to the listener if they do that. So for the IRS example, a benefit might be, so if if you do this, you'll you'll be less likely to get a call from an angry customer wondering where his instructor is, right? So... So the person who you're coaching will likely just think, gosh, well, I don't want to, I don't want that to happen, right? Maybe I should follow this advice. So it's a really, really simple technique. And, and like I said, experience is the best teacher. 
as unless you consider the experience of somebody else, you know, let somebody else make the mistakes and then use those mistakes as a way that we can kind of learn. So if you really want to make experience the best teacher, just follow, you know, the the simple three-step process. Share an experience with your team in a story format. Second, tell them the moral of the story and then finally tell them how they'll benefit from your advice. If you're going if you do that, you're going to shorten the learning curve of your team entirely. All right, so thanks a lot for being a part of High Impact Leaders. We'll see you next week.